Hey everybody, it's Damon and this is Theater Tales of the Techie and it is, uh, let's see, it's Sunday, December 31st, it's the last day of the year and I want to do this podcast as kind of a review of 2023 and uh, the reason I called it Did 2023 Suck is I was talking to a friend yesterday that's been in the industry forever and basically told me everything that's going wrong <laughs> with his life um, and the industry and I, I always try to folks give people a different perspective at looking at the bright side instead of just the downside. And folks, I've always had a thing I call the power three. If I tell somebody something three times and they ignore me, it's on them. I mean, even if they're potentially going to kill themselves, um, like in an ultralight or an airplane or skydiving or building a contraption, I'll give them my opinion three times. And at that point, I just shut down. It's a waste of my time. And... Um, when I say I'm going to review 2023, I'm going to go through some analytics of my podcast. Also, there's two or three things I'm going to talk about. Um, oh, it's, uh, five 30 in the morning, by the way. So <clears throat> the thing is, is folks, um, my podcast was started with one goal and it was to reach out to young people and try to share with them all the different career opportunities are in a theater industry on the technical side. And when I look at 2023 and all the young people I was able to connect with and, and, uh, touch and well, I shouldn't say touch <laughs> connect with. Yeah. I don't want to sound like a pedophile, but, um, well, they're college kids, so I guess they would be legal. But the thing is, is that, you know, folks, all of us are different. You know, some people are really, really good and some people are assholes and some people think that um, being smart gives them power. And if you read the book, Emotional Intelligence, or if you, you know, the smarter people are, sometimes they don't have good common sense. I don't have great common sense, but I'm not saying I'm ultra intelligence. I'm just saying my biggest challenge in my life is getting people to listen to me. Because most people don't like know-it-alls. And, you know, folks, people want to reinvent and recreate. And when me and my pal was talking about some of the challenges he's gotten or had in 2023, it's the same challenges I've had for the last 20 years of my life. I can walk in a room and tell somebody how to fix something. They're like, well, it's not that easy, Damon. And I'm like, well, no, it is that easy. And they're like, nah, nah. And they don't even give me a chance. They don't even want to try. They don't even want to invest in the idea. And they go off and they F things up. I've seen this over and over in our industry. Now, unfortunately, it's done normally by non-theater people. Very rarely does a theater person close off their mind and not say, okay, well, let's talk about it and let's see if there's a good idea here. Um, and folks, I want to share a real quick note. I think I've been kind of hard on actors and other people uh, in 2023. You know, actors, actresses, musicians, artists, we're all from that island of misfits. We have passion where we spend incredible amount of hours uh, doing something. Uh, before I get into the analytics of my my podcast and some other things and, and dive in deeper about my friend thinking why 2023 sucks, I want to tell you something that happened to me back in 1986, I think it was. When I was at the Lilly Theater, we had just gotten uh, a new color trans system, the Encore 4896. And actually, we were so busy, we became a beta test site or a pseudo beta test site for Colortran where we tested that lighting console. 
And uh, there was a guy named Ernie who was a head of security uh, for the building that the Ludley Theater was located in. And he came to me one day and he said, uh, Damon, I don't want you to get in trouble, but he goes, you know, you're, you're, uh, you know, we had those old badges where you had to uh, like log into the building and log out or sign or sign out. He goes, um, are they paying you overtime? And I said, no, Ernie, why? He goes, you know, Damon, you're spending like 20 hours a day here. I go, yeah, no, I, I clock out. He goes, what are you doing? I go, I'm learning a new lighting console. I've never had a true computer uh, lighting console that did cues and tracking and all this stuff, which he didn't understand any of it. And he asked me if I'd show him. So I showed him the lighting console. And folks, I had uh, 18 rainbow color, uh, I'm sorry, rainbow color changers, which use 17 different colors of gels to make up this long uh, roll or a scroll. And we called them, you know, color changers or color scrollers. There's all kinds of different names that we we called it. And the thing for me, though, was the amount of time it took me to learn to use that console. It literally probably took me 150 hours just to get used to it. And then as I started doing different shows that came through, I was always continually learning. Well, one of my friends who was a musician, um, a flautist, uh, knew I was spending all this time on this lighting console. And she said, Damon, it's almost like you're learning a new instrument. And I go, well, maybe in some ways I am. So folks, the passion we have in the theater industry, you know, it's one reason if we don't like our jobs, we quit. If we don't love what we're doing, we quit. We go find another job. And I told my friend, my advice to my friend was, well, he's in a little bit of a pickle because he's been someplace 20 years and he's considered a rock star. He's considered the God. I mean, he can actually turn water into wine. Um, but the manufacturers he worked with are slowly changing the rules, changing commission structures, changing different things. And, you know, I told him, I said, you know, if you don't have a solution, just shut up and do your job and, and, and you're making a boatload of money, but you have to enjoy that job. And, and folks, we, there's been a pussification. I'm sorry I'm using that word, but, the, but there's been a pussification in the last 20 years where a lot of people think they deserve a lot more than they have. If I'm going to work 60 hours a week, then I deserve that kind of input or that type of a salary or that type of recognition. You know, I'll tell you something quirky about me. A couple of years ago, um, I needed a supercomputer because I was doing uh, I was doing a lot of training. I was doing a lot of editing. I was doing a lot of video stuff. And um, I probably could have gone to my work and said, look, I need a supercomputer. But they would have sh shit their pants when they found out the computer I wanted to buy. So what did I do? I bought it myself. I spent $4,850 on a liquid-cooled supercomputer. And the reason I do that is renderings take seconds instead of hours. You know, when I am doing stuff, you know, with my, my 3D design stuff, it's instantaneous. And I've had people say, Damon, that's insane. Why would you spend your own money? You know, folks, I've built mock-ups before for companies I work for. And I don't, I don't expense that. I just write it off. It's, it's part of me doing what I do. And I think that helps my karma. I'm dead serious. Um, I had a CEO reach out to me one time and say, Damon, you should be expensing this. And I said, no, because someone's going to always get critical and say, well, watch this and watch that. And it's just too much red tape. I don't have time for that. My output usually makes other people rich. <laughs> okay. So and the reason I'm saying this to you young people is you have no idea 
One of the conversations I had at the beginning of December with a young man at a really neat college who's a sophomore, um, I think blew both of us away. His amount of understanding of theater and intelligence, and he's got family in theater. So, you know, he's he's been around uh, a lot of theatrical people, actors, actresses. His dad was a stage manager. Um, he, he His whole family is theater, and actually his whole family listens to my podcast. And I'll talk more about that when I get to the analytics of my podcast in a minute. But him and I basically, within an hour, became best friends. I kid you not. I'm 60. He's, what, 21 and there is no age, there, there's, there's no age barrier in this industry. Okay. Um, I don't want to ever be looked as a mentor, but I had mentors myself. So somewhere along the line, we evolve from being that person who's working the 60 hours in the theater a week, the person who's learning new consoles, we're learning sales, we're learning how consultants work, we're learning how double E's and Emmys work, we're, which is, I'm sorry, mechanical engineer, not, not a master electrician. We're, we're meeting all these different theatrical dealers. All of this takes 30, 40 years for me. For my other friend, he's been in the industry about two years longer than me. He's like, Damon, I think I'm just going to throw it in and retire. He actually wants me. <laughs> he asked me if I would buy his rep agency. He literally said, Damon, pay me off over three years. You could go hire a couple of apprentices and you can, you know, turn dirt into gold. And folks, honestly, for about, how do I say this? I fantasized for a minute when he said that to me, because folks, one of the things I loved the most about this entire industry is when I was in sales and I was killing it. I was making a boatload of money. Everybody loved their job. You know, I'm going to digress for a minute. Folks, there was a period of time around 2008, 9, 10, and 11 where I was a contractor for the, the most successful rigging company in the world. And there was something about the synergy and the harmony and the teamwork where everybody was friends. Everybody looked out. Looked, I mean, everybody covered each other's ass. And... There was a guy, uh, and I don't want to mention names, folks, because I'm afraid on my podcast I'm going to get pe people mad at me. But there was a guy who was a CEO of this company and then a guy who was basically the president of the company. The CEO was the numbers cruncher, knew the industry, but didn't really want to be that deep into the weeds. However, he would always call theater consultants up and say, hey, how's it going? What are we doing good? What are we doing bad? And the consultants loved him, absolutely loved him. But the president, he was the one who got things done. And I'll never forget, I was out in California. And keep in mind, folks, I was a contract rep to them. I wasn't an employee. So the only way I got paid is if I sold something. Okay? And over those four years, I made more money than I'd ever made in the industry, even as, easy, even as a commercial rep. But the company made monstrous money off me. So I want to I want to tell you a story that's very very dear to my heart. I was out in San Francisco. I was meeting with a consultant, this lady who's probably long dead because she was like ninety years old, fifteen or twenty years ago, or no, this is twelve years ago, whatever two thousand eight was. Oh my God, that's like fifteen years now, isn't it? So, um, and it might have been two thousand nine or ten. I don't remember the exact year, folks, but I remember her very well, and she was so nice. 
she was so intelligent about theater design and she was working with um, different school systems and universities as a theater consultant. And um, she was so creative. That's what I really liked about her. And, and she knew theater. She knew how big the wings needed to be. She knew how big the fly loft needed to be. Well, I met her through a rep when I sold a different product. And fo folks, I hate poaching. I hate going out and calling people up and saying, hey, look, I changed this company. I'm at this company. Give me your order. Now with dealers, I might do that. But with consultants, I wanted to be careful because I didn't want the consultants to think that I was jumping ship because I hated the job. You know, I didn't tell them the story that I was recruited or somebody came along and threw an extra 25 grand at me. Um, if you can hear that really loud noise in the background, my, my Bernice Mountain Dog decided to go up to the water bowl and just start slurping. And if you know Bernice Mountain Dogs, they are the most disgusting when they drink water. It flies everywhere. It's, it's, it's crazy. <clears throat> so I'm talking to this consultant and she told me, you know, Damon, there's this job in July and I want to switch it all to the company you work for is automation because the other company says they can't deliver until uh, November. And I have to have it done in like July. And folks, I think this is like May. So um, I called up the president of the company and said, look, I'm going to need 36 hoists. I'm going to need them delivered the end of June. They got to be turned on and running by the end of July. Can we do it? And he says, you know, I'm going to have to call you back. And folks, this was a year we were building about 450 hoist a year, I think it was, which, which was just incredibly cool. I mean, it was almost like the first Ford plant, the way we were pumping hoist out. I mean, literally 15 to 20 a day. I mean, it, it was, I mean, it's at certain points. So he calls me back um, about 20 minutes later. He said, get the order. We can do it. And I'm like, you sure? And he was like, yep, we're going to push the job back and we'll pop right in there and we could, we could ship it uh third week of June. And folks, it worked. It, it shipped the third week of June. Um, the dealer that was out there got it installed. Um, I got my five and a half percent of $400,000, I think it was, or $450,000. And it was glorious. It, 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 it Times like that are the most cool parts of my life. Working at STTV was kick-ass. Working as a contract rep was kick-ass. When my friend's like, Damon, you want to buy my rep firm? And, and it's a one-man band with a couple of people, a drafting person and some stuff, folks. I don't want to mention where we're at. Plus, I couldn't do it because it's in another state. I'm not going to leave Indiana right now. Long story, it's about family. I'm just anchored right now to Indiana. So... um, but essentially, my, my friend's running out of steam. He's, he's watching the industry change. And I told him, you got to be agile. The industry is constantly changing. If you can't change with the industry, the industry will run you over. And what he needs to do is hire a couple of younger. He needs to go poach a couple of really good reps from other rep firms or from a big lighting company we all know. He needs to go poach one of those salespeople and, and make them owners like or create an ESOP and do it over five years or eight years or whatever. Um, but now what I want to do, folks, is I want to dive into uh, the analytics of my podcast and why I think 2023 was such a kick-ass year for me. Now, I'm not going to talk about my work because, folks, um, my work is really cool. I'm involved in a top secret project right now. We've got a new CEO who is a rock star. Everything at where I work right now, 
um, is pretty kick-ass. So um, I want to dive into my analytics about my podcast. So, and folks, this is not Henry Styles or, you know, uh, any big stars podcast. You know, th this is little old Damon uh, trying to talk about technical theater to a bunch of college kids and high school kids. Okay. So, but these numbers blew me away, folks. Honestly, I, I, I am, I am so thrilled with what I accomplished. And I, I started this because my pals kept begging me to write a book about the 40 years of my life. And I, I don't want to do that. I don't have the time to do that. And when one of them said, <clears throat> this is my friend Tobin, <clears throat> excuse me. He's like, you should do a podcast. And actually he's the one who helped me find out how to put my podcast together. Cause he's a guru of marketing and all that kind of crap. And I owe him big time. I owe him a big bottle of bourbon is what I owe him. So I had 1,625 unique listeners that listened to 90% of my podcast. Let that sink in for a minute, folks. I know that's not 10,000 or 20,000, but these are people who come back 90% of the time to listen to my podcast. <clears throat> that blew me away. I had 21 college students I actually talked to, um, and we talked about the industry. I had eight post-grads. I had 31 of my pals I worked with over the last 30 years, a lot of the ex reps that I hadn't heard in a lot of years. I had 167 emails with people telling me about their life in theater, and we you know, shared back and forth emails. I started February 7th. Um, this is my 53rd podcast. So I actually did hit my goal of doing one a week or an average of one a week. I started February 7th. Um, the states that listen to me the most, and I'm not going to go all th through all 50 states, okay? New York is number one. California is number two. Texas is number three. Then there's Florida, Michigan, Indiana, Hawaii. Now, Hawaii surprised me because I've got a really, really neat person out there who's an incredible friend, mentor, a rock star, everything theater. I mean, you're talking about a walking encyclopedia of theater. Um, and I knew he was listening, but I didn't know I had eight other unique listeners in the Hawaiian Islands. So I want to know who they are, you know? Um, and then we have Ohio, Colorado, Iowa, Kansas, North Carolina, Minnesota, Missouri, Washington, Maryland, Oregon, Georgia, and Pennsylvania. Countries that listen to me, USA is number one. Go USA. Then France, UK, China, Germany, New Zealand, Belgium, Finland, Australia, Mexico, Romania, Ireland, Norway, Russia, and India. Um what platforms do you listen to me on? Spotify was number one, then Apple Podcasts, Deezer, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Facebook, iTunes, CastBox, Pandora, Podcast Republic, Google Search app. Most people are listening. 80% of the people are listening to me on their phones. Um, and then desktop, tablet, smart phone. <clears throat> I'm sorry, smart speaker. The time of day. Over 60% of you are listening to me around noon. So that must be lunch, I guess. And then 3 p.m., 7 p.m., 8 p.m., and 9 p.m. So I have three notes here I want to talk to you about with people that actually I talk to. Oh, oh, oh. My most popular podcast was um, Five Questions with Tobin. And Tobin is um, uh, just an incredible friend, an incredible um a database of everything theater, everything lighting. Um, one of my best friends, you know, I've got like 12 best friends. I don't have one that stands out. Um, if I were in the lottery, we're all going to do something really neat. 
Um, but Tobin was number one. Five Questions with Miriam Morgan was number two. She's the really, really cool gal up at the Fort Wayne, uh, whatever they call all those theaters up in Fort Wayne, Indiana. She looks over like three or four theaters, I think it is. My first podcast was actually number three most listened to. Number four listened to was Jason Pritchard, an ex-theater consultant that's now got a BIM company. Um, and then Brian Moon was number uh, five. A Week in a Life of Theater was number six, which kind of blew me away. And that was another thing that came out of a lot of these conversations I had. A lot of these young people didn't know about theater consultants and they didn't know about dealers. They just never thought about it. Um, I got a really cool guy that just reached out to me a couple of weeks ago named Aiden. Um, he's going to be on my podcast. He's agreed. And folks, I got like 30 people that's agreed. We just can't land on dates to make it happen. But I'm going to try to make Aiden first because I love it when just out of the blue, somebody sends me an email and says, hey, look, I like your podcast. I'm a theater student or, or doing technical theater. I think he's doing lighting and, and scenic design. I'm Yeah, scenic design. And, and I'm sorry, Aiden, if I got that wrong. Um, and then, uh, my first three years was my next most listened to podcast. So folks, I hit it out of the park. I mean, for what I was trying to do, I didn't know if anybody would listen to it. I didn't know if anybody would come back and listen to another podcast. I didn't know if I would really reach out to any college kids being a 60 year old dude, you know? And, and I realized in 2023, there is, there's no age barrier in this industry. And, um, gosh, folks, I wish I was 40 and running a dealer and I'd hire some of these people and turn them. I, I, you know, folks, one of the most exciting things I ever did in my life is turning people into successful salespeople, turning people into people who, who really understand how this industry works. You know, when I think of the synergy of some of the companies I worked at, you know, one thing about theater people, if we're not all friends and we all don't like each other, normally somebody leaves or I leave and go, go somewhere else. Um, oh, another thing, I'm looking at my notes, folks, and I'm sorry, I'm all over the place. I had two, besides my friend wanting me to buy his rep firm, I had two really solid job offers this year. And, you know, I had a really, really, really good friend who's been dead 20 years. I had nothing to do with the industry. He says, Damon, you should always listen when somebody calls you up and offers you a job. You should always listen. Um, but folks, I honestly, as of the end of 2023, um, I still don't think I've accomplished everything I can with who I'm working for right now. I, I just see nothing but vertical uh, success. And uh, we'll find out if I'm wrong. Um, I don't think I am. Um, but the two job offers I got this year, this is, and just so you know, if you're, this is for you college kids right now, somebody will call you up that you haven't talked to in a long time. I'm, I'm, let's say you're 10 years into the industry or 15 years. They're like, Hey, how's it going? Great. You know, how's the family? Great. How's your hobby going? Oh, awesome. How's your ultralight going? Well, I had to stop because I got, had to have shoulder surgery. My shoulder got so bad. Oh, well, you know, uh, when's the shoulder surgery? Well, it's, it's in December. Um, oh man, I hope you get through that. And now I'm starting to wonder, okay, what, what, what's going on? <laughs> and then he's kind of like, um, Hey, you happy where you're at? And I'm like, yeah, why, what's going on? Well, you know, Damon, people are retiring and the industry is changing and, uh, we're looking for somebody, uh, you know, to do this or in a leadership role. And, 
you know, um, would you be okay if they sent you an offer? Now, keep in mind, the person who calls me is never this manufacturer. It's either a rep or a friend that knows me. This industry is really weird. Very rarely, or a manufacturer might have a headhunter reach out to you. But very rarely, where like the VP of the company wanting to hire you, call you direct. Because you could go to your Facebook and say, hey, they just called me. They must be hiring. You know, this is all so cloak and dagger. It's almost funny, folks. And I said, <clears throat> and he goes, do you, do you, would you mind if somebody sent you an offer? I said, well, wait a minute. I said, we got to, what's the, what's the role? And we talked about everything they needed. And it was going to be one of those people who get in there and, and, you know, um, how do I say this folks? The, the, the most successful theater people in the industry are people that are able to use their entire bandwidth of experience. So hypothetically, let's say they needed a VP of sales over half the country and you were going to look over regional salespeople and then dealers and then consultants and everybody down and your pay was going to have a base, which was really good, really good. And then you got a, uh, basically a, uh, you know, at the end of the year, you can basically have another chunk of money if, if all the metrics work. Okay. Um, but, but, you know, I don't want anybody to ever send me an offer because the moment they send me an offer, they think I'm entertaining the idea. And until, you know, I put up a couple of, uh, you know, do smoke signals or tell my friends in the industry that I'm looking to move. I don't want people to try to think they can come to me and just, most offers, folks, is pure money. It's 401ks, it's vacation, it's your salary, it's your bonus, it's all of this. And um, while all that money sometimes, and, and I've let it get to me before in my life, I've let that money make me do some dumb decisions. Um, it's not everything. In in most theater people I know, I mean, like, and I don't want to mention names right now. Well, no, I'll mention the name, Bill Price. Bill Price, who's a really good friend of mine, just retired this year or today, the 31st. And he uh, is still going to do some little things like consulting, not theater consulting, but, you know, he'll he'll work with some dealers or work, work with some local theaters or work with people who need his knowledge. It's like we never die until we're dead. And then we haunt people that were mean to us after that. But the thing, I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is, is that once you're 20 years into this industry, I would say once a year, you're gonna, if you're truly a rainmaker, somebody who can truly, um, there was a time folks in my life for about six years that I was working with just about every theatrical dealer in the United States that did rigging. Okay. About 40 some out of the 110 or 20 that do lighting. And they would call me up literally and say, Hey, Damon, I just saw this hit the street. Is this, is your, is this your doing? I'd be like, yeah, I worked with that architect or that consultant were specified. Okay. I need a number. And I would say, call, call the estimator at the you know company and they'll get you a number. Yeah, but Damon, I, I need my best number. And I'd say, well, look, your, your numbers are based on, you know, what, type of dealer you are and what your sales are and blah, blah, blah. But this one's perfect for me, Damon. It's like five blocks away from our shop. 
And then what I do when he, when he tells me all that data, I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to call the estimator first, talk to them, and then you call them. And I would, I'd call up the estimator and say, look, this dealer wants his job. They're five blocks away. They're hungry. I think they're going to get this at any cost. Um, can we throw them a couple of percent if we need to? And the estimator would look at the job and goes, yeah, Damon, we definitely can. I'd call back and say, look, if you need it to close a job, I can probably give you a couple of percent. Now, folks, you have to play games a little bit. I could probably give them five, but I'm not going to offer five up front. I'm going to say, look, I can give you 2%. That's probably enough, Damon. They bid the job and win it. And then when they go to give us a PO, they'll write on it. I need the 2% off that was promised to me. We would put it through the books and they would be happy. But folks, I got dealers worshiping me <laughs> because I would take the time to talk to them and work with them and figure out how to get the order off the street. Okay. I remember a dealer one time called me up and said, Damon, look, I'm going to need 5% or I, I'm not going to be able to close this. I'm on the phone with a GC today. You know, he, and, and folks, there's nothing illegal unless it's a rip and read. If it's a public opening, nobody should be able to tell you what each other's prices is because that's sealed. But if the GC has already bought the job and the GC is working with three or four different dealers to, to get his portion of division 11, he can basically tell each other what their numbers are. He can negotiate it. Um, but those good dealers, just like I was when I was at STTV, have GCs that love them. And if the dealer's really five blocks away from the theater, the, the dealer probably already knows that general contractor. So folks, there's so many layers to this onion when you get 15, 20, 30 years into this industry where you can be a rock star, you can be an asset. And I, I want to I give you some advice. Always have your cell phone on. I know a lot of people don't like to do this, but I do. I got a text at 11 o'clock last night. I was asleep and I didn't, I didn't know, know I got it. But I got a text last night. Hey, are you up? I want to tell you something that's going on. I missed it. So what I'm going to do is text here. Uh, and I should text right now and just wake them up. Um, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I should wait till tomorrow morning you know, uh, uh, on the first when he's probably completely trashed and hung over and start texting or calling him at like 5 a.m. tomorrow. But, but, but folks, the more access these people have to you, the more success you're going to have. And the more success you make them have, the more success you have. And, and I've always said that theater industry is a hundred percent relationships. That's all it is. It's pure relationships. Everything is emotional. Everything is relationship. Um, and it's actually a cool thing to have because if you got a good heart and you got good karma and not a prick, you can just do ginormous things in this industry outside from working on stage. Um, another thing I want to do. Oh, another analytic. Um, everybody who reached out to me, I asked them, how long do you want my podcast to be? And you know what the number ended up being 40 to 50 minutes. That surprised me. I thought over 30 minutes was like, People are going to sleep on me. Um, I want to share another thing. Um, you know, when my friend told me 2023 sucked, it, 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 it bothered me. And I'm sure he's listening. Um, because, folks, I lived through recessions. I, I, I mean, I remember. It, oh, another piece of advice I want to give you. If you ever have to hire and fire people, it's hard. And if you're going to fire people. And I've seen this happen so much in this industry and it just breaks my heart. One time I had to let three people go because of a recession. 
and or two people. No, it was three. One was a part timer, and the two other ones were basically full time. Um, don't forget about the people that are staying, because folks, you know, the, firing people for me was one of the absolute hardest things I've ever done in this industry, and it's it sucks like you wouldn't believe. Um, it's one of those triggers that make me vomit. <laughs> okay. But, and I've shared before, there's triggers that make me vomit. I haven't vomit much in the last 10 years, but folks, there was a time that if anything went wrong, I'd go off and vomit. So, um, I want to, and, and this is important advice. If you ever end up in a leadership role and you lace, so let me tell you the scenario. I set people down and said, Hey, look, you know, our sales are down. This is down. And, um, we just don't have a place for you right now. And, um, of course it sucked the next morning. One of my generals, the person who was an absolute rainmaker came down, sat down and said, Hey, can I have, you know, some time? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, who's next? I go, what do you mean? Who's next? He goes, you know, are, are we done with the firings? And then it hit me. Holy shit. So I said, well, hang on a minute. And I got the other two or three people together and said, hey, look, I know this is almost weird to say to you, but you guys are rock stars. That's the reason you're here. Okay, you're overperformers. You're irreplaceable. You know, I, I couldn't run this place without you. It just wouldn't work. So you're here. They were missing, you know, some of the things that they needed to hit. They weren't the performers you are. A hard decision had to be made and they're gone. But folks, um, I ended up taking those people to lunch that day and just telling them flat out, um, you have nothing to worry about unless the company collapses. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you are my, uh, if I remember right, I said, you are my, um, something like Kelly's heroes or something. Cause I've always been a fan of war movies. And if you don't know Kelly's heroes, it's where they took a whole bunch. They had a mission. They had to go in and take out a whole bunch of bad Germans but they knew everybody would die. So they picked all these um, RV guys that were in the uh, brig that were all prisoners and said, if you get through this mission and survive, um, no, that was a dirty dozen. That's not Kelly's heroes. Kelly heroes where they stole the gold. I'm sorry. No, that was a dirty dozen. I'm sorry, folks. Wrong movie. But the dirty dozen is where they took a bunch of prisoners in World War II and said, if you can go kill these Germans and come back alive, you're free. Um, no, Kelly's hero is where they went in and stole all the gold from a German, uh, bank, but boy, did I really digress there, but folks, your power, your superpower, your synergy, your success in this industry is going to be from making other people successful. That it's that, it's just that clear. It's just that easy. Um, I know I've shared this story. I'm going to share it again. There was a young gal who was a sales rep one time. I went into a market to work with her and she was afraid she's going to get fired because she couldn't get any orders. And I said, you know, do we got any place close that you, you've got anybody to talk to, to close an order? She goes, well, I'm supposed to demo these lighting fixtures. We demo the lighting fixtures. We got her her order. She realized how easy that was being a theater person. Once somebody shows us something, we learn it the first time. And then she turned into being an absolute kick-ass sales rep. Sometimes it takes that little spark where we show somebody how it works or how it's done. And theater people are always willing to learn. You know, um, one of the things that's really pissed off my friend about 2023 are all the non-theater people that are coming into our industry. 
um, you know, venture capitalists are buying companies. And folks, if you go back to that lighting company that was the biggest and best, and it got bought by whatever company, um, and I should say allegedly, because I might get some of this wrong and I don't want to get sued, but basically they took all their engineers in what Switzerland or Ireland or wherever they were and got rid of them saying, Oh no, we can get engineers. These are the people who wrote the code and created some of the greatest lighting consoles in the world. And that company is in my humble opinion, Damon's opinion, they're basically gone. They're, they're, I mean, there's still a shell of that company around, but what it was back in the eighties and nineties, is gone and it's because non-theater people came in and effed it all up <laughs> and and actually there was a company down in tennessee ish that was one of the most successful um theater companies same thing happened to them um venture capitalists bought them and they were gone there was another big one just eight years ago that got sold because 12 years ago venture capitalists bought them but don't get me wrong. Um, there are a lot of things changing in our industry. And I get when that money comes in and buys things. Okay, I, I get it. Sometimes people want those people to come in and put an infusion of money into it. And as long as those people stay out of the way, normally the theater company will survive just fine. So um, if you're 18, 19, 20, 21, and you go to... Uh, you know, folks, I'm trying to be so bloody honest with you that, um, how do I say this? I think theater people have a sixth sense. We can tell normally within the first hour talking to a person, if they're a theater person or if they get what we do. And every time I work with churches, who had like 18 different committees before they would approve buying a light bulb. I cringed, but churches have money because people, because God's plate is always filled full of money. Okay. And if you're selling lighting, churches are absolutely um, a cash cow. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't use the word cow, right? But uh, there's just so many facets in this industry, architectural lighting, entertainment lighting, the movers and, you know, the, uh, you know, the intelligent lights. There's, there's so much in lighting. Um, rigging is a little bit narrow bandwidth. That's the reason if you look at, you know, there's probably, I don't know, 150 people that can sell lighting in this industry really, really good right now. And probably less than 20 people that can really sell rigging good. So if you're one of those rigging people, you, you, you better have been an installer. You better have been an integrator. You need to have worked with a manufacturer. And then if you decide that, you know, you want to be a theater consultant or you want to be uh, a third-party installer or you want to work for a dealer and run their installation side, you might be able to do that. But the most important thing to realize is the more you make people successful around you, the more successful you're going to be. Um, if you ever run a company, it's never you, it's the team. And I found out a long time ago, you buy people pizzas, you buy people little trinkets. If they're like a Colts you know, fan, buy them a little rubber football or something. Uh, it says Colts on it. All these little things you do for your employees are just going to jazz them up so that when they come to work, 
their mental health is running on all 12 Ferrari cylinders and they are going to be rainmakers. You know, folks, I, I figured a long time ago that if, if you make everybody love you, they will do anything in the world for you. I mean, anything. Well, you don't want the murdering people and, you know, overthrowing the government, but you, you can get people if they truly believe in you. I guess I should say believe in you. Um, you know, I was reading an article yesterday about how the movie, I mean, the TV show Ted Lasso is actually one of the greatest uh, kind of psychological uh, uh, type shows that ever came out on team building and working within each other in an office. If you've never seen Ted Lasso, watch it. Um, there are actually sales organizations now that are using, it's called the Ted Lasso way. And um, go to go to YouTube and watch some of the excerpts from uh, the Ted La from Ted Lasso because I think it will blow you away how much that entire synergy that was created in that TV show is us theater people. And what's interesting is now that the show's off. Now, if you've ever watched the show, you know um, they were there was a nickname where they called themselves the diamond dogs or whatever it was. Well, the lady who's the lead role in it, she put together this Christmas show <clears throat> where she brought together all the people, <coughs> excuse me, from the Tad Lasso show or most of them. And they do this most unbelievable Christmas show. And folks, if you're in love with the Ted Lasso show and then you watch what they do, um, you know, that lead guy in Ted Lasso, I had no idea he could sing. I knew he was a comedian. But folks, they're all actors and actresses that brought that synergy of theater into a show about soccer. Most people, I don't think, understand that. Um, there's a guy in there, Roy Kent, who comes off as just this rough and tough asshole. But he was one of the original writers. And when they were looking for that part of the rough and tough asshole, he offered, maybe I could be that person. And they all kind of laughed. So he did a video of how he would be before, would behave. And they instantly said, you're Roy Kent. <laughs> so folks, there's so much. And look, I know if, if you're, I, most people listening to this are theater people, okay? If you're a non-theater person, I'm sorry if I offended you, just don't be a douchebag. But the thing is, is that us theater people, there is this bond, there is this belief, there is this love, there is this passion that we can do anything. If we work together, anything and folks, all the money I made in my life, which by the way, was enough to pay for my daughter's college. So she could walk out without a dime of debt. That's one of the most proudest things I've ever done. When I think of that, I was able to do that being just that emotional theater person that people put down most of the time. Oh no, those theater people, they have too many opinions. Those theater people have, you know, Folks, I've been called every name by non-theater people. And it energizes me because I realize if the... So imagine this for a minute. The sun has this big piece of chunk of plasma blow out its asshole and it comes right at Earth and knocks out all of our electricity for 20 years. Do you know who's going to outlive just about everybody? Theater people. We can build, we can create, we can weld, we can... 
you know, put generators together. We could build, you know, folks, there's all kinds of things. You know, most of us are old enough that we remember points and plugs and cars that don't need electronics to run. So folks, the non-theater people, honest to God, I that's the reason I created the rule of three. I'm just warning you, you're going to run into these people and you're going to sit there and just shake your head. Um, at USITT this year, I ran into a really, really neat guy um, that I, I, I just kind of started to become good friends with, but we really connected and we started talking about the industry. And he told me that, and I got to be careful how I say this because he works for a pretty big company. He told me that he got a boss that didn't know anything about the industry, anything at all. Um, and he wanted to kind of evaluate him first before he just decided not to like him. <laughs> and they went out to lunch and his boss told him what his mission was and everything. And evidently afterwards, you know, he, uh, this guy I was talking to, he had to formulate how to explain to his boss what theater consultants get to know, what dealers to get to know, you know, what, what other people to get to know. Okay. And actually folks, this is more, Oh, I don't want to say they don't interact that much with theater consultants. They act interact a little bit more with dealers. I, I don't want to give away where he works or anything, but he, he said, I asked him, I said, did it frustrate you? He said, well, you know, Damon, I'm, I'm used to it. It doesn't frustrate me anymore. I just, I know they're going to fail. I go, do you think he's going to fail? He goes, I give him 20% chance of, of making it. And I, I said, um, well, is there anything else you can do? And he goes, well, what would you do? And I said, I don't know, probably what you already did. And I, and I told him about my power of three. And he laughed and he says, you know, Damon, that's two more powers than I give them. I always just tell them once. And if they don't listen, then I'm done with them. He goes, at least you try to tell them three different times. And, um, but it was interesting talking to him because he's been in this industry almost as long as I am. And he's still running into people who think they can reinvent the wheel, who can literally come in and say, we don't need a round wheel. We have found out if you have a square wheel and you go fast enough that the air pressure in between the flat sides will make the car float off the ground and, and a, a square wheel would work, which technically, if you're going almost the speed of sound, a square wheel will almost do that. You're, you're, the flat sides of the wheel are surfing on the shock wave of the mock um, uh, shock wave. But if you're going 10 mile an hour, a square wheel is not going to work, right? And, you know, I joked with him about that. And he, he, he just started cracking up and he's, he's just like, you know, Damon, I, I just don't know why everybody thinks that this, yeah, sure, folks, this is a half million or a billion dollar industry. And people look at that and they're like, well, it's like that young man and his dad that reached out. And the dad said, you know, what, what would it be like to start a dealership for my son? I said, you want to buy a dealership. You don't want to start one from scratch. You want to go out and find one where everybody's old and tired and ready to retire, buy that one and turn it into something wonderful. But, but I'm just warning you. I'm just, I'm just telling you, you may already know this, but I'm wondering if, if, if you've spent four years in high school theater and four years in college, if you've really been subjected to yet that non-theater person that's going to look at you as just this emotional complainer. Um, you know, I had a person one time say to me, Damon, it seems like you complain a lot. And folks, that really broke my heart because I went home and thought about it and thought, where was I complaining? I was telling them how we need to fix this. I was telling them the solutions. I was telling them what we need to look out for. 
So, you know, I, I tried to, I tried to think about, okay, maybe I didn't explain it right, or maybe my approach wasn't right. And I tried again, got the same response. And that's when I decided, you know, oh, well, I mean, and I think this is before my power of three I created. Um, but folks, it's just, it's just really important that you realize that your love is theater. Okay. For me, it's family, theater, and hobby. Okay. But if you don't have a lot of family yet, or you don't like your family, I mean, I really didn't like my family until I, my wife and my kids, <laughs> but, um, Oh, I'm digressing folks. I should shut this down. I've gone long enough. Oh, look, I'm almost at 50 minutes. So <clears throat> I am going to wind this down because folks, it's, you know, it's the last day of the year. There's going to be a rocking party tonight. Every year, folks, I, we get me and my wife get to me, my wife and daughter, my daughter's home, my daughter's home from college right now. We get together with a couple of our neighbors and basically play board games until midnight with a lot of adult beverages and, uh, beanie weenies and pizza and, uh, pulled pork and brisket. And I'm trying to think of everything we're having tonight, Cheetos, Doritos, corn chips, all that junk. Um, so tomorrow morning, I'm sure I'm going to feel completely like crap. <laughs> um, but folks, 2023 was a kick-ass year for me. I know my friend said it sucks. I hopefully have gotten him to look at it a little bit differently. Um, and do I have regret sometimes when people offer me jobs and I ignore them a little bit? Because I always wonder, folks, I'm an explorer. If I'm not constantly doing good, if I'm not constantly moving the ball forward, the moment I become stagnant, that's that's when normally I'll make a move. And uh, I still think I got a lot left to contribute with what I'm doing right now. And one day, folks when I'm truly retired and I can tell you about this last nine years, because folks I've been at the company I'm with now nine years. That's the longest I've ever stayed at any one company in my entire life. Um, STTV was six years. Um, Lovely theater was eight years. Um, this is nine years, which is the longest. And I hope to stay another 10 years until I'm 70. Um, but you never know. You never know. All it takes is a new CEO that comes in. All it takes is getting a new boss. All it takes is, um, I don't know, folks, I guess enough money would make me think about a change, but um, I don't know, folks, that's it. So I hope your 2023 went really kick-ass. Um, oh, and, and one thing I want to end on is mental health, folks. It's so important. If you see, say, see something, say something, you know, nobody ever fakes being depressed. Okay. Seriously, people fake being happy. So even though you see people happy, look for the little trigger warnings, you know, look for the little things and I'm not going to educate you go on Google and Google trigger warnings for depression and all of that, because folks, this country, the United States does not take mental health very serious. And we all talk about it, but how many people actually act on it? Um, and the reason I'm bringing this up is I had a friend, uh, best friend, grew up with, take his life quite a few years ago. And this year, his daughter reached out to me and his daughter told me how much he loved me. And he always talked about how we were such good friends. And I echoed my feelings about him. And, you know, when you grow up with somebody and you guys are like Butch and Sundance and one day you get the phone call and he took his life, it's confusing. You 
you don't know how to process that. So folks in 2024, look out after each other. Okay. Make sure that you understand that, um, family work, hobby, everything. Uh, just, just, if you see something, say something, if you see somebody acting just weird or, you know, just say, Hey, how you doing? You know, I mean, do you know how many times employees never have somebody call them up and say, you're doing a kick-ass job. You're a rock star. Do you know how many times I've had people when I call them up and say, hey, look, I really appreciate what you're doing. That's awesome. They go, you know, Damon, no one tells me that anymore. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I'm not talking about where I'm working right now, folks. Um, but folks, it's it's crazy how entitled some of these employers are out there. And I'm not just talking about our industry. I'm talking about my aviation pals too. How many people are rock stars and they are turning water to wine? They're turning dirt to gold. But nobody thanks them. They think because they get a big bonus, that's the thanks. You should be thanking everybody that contrib contributes to your success. Sure, you're going to once in a while have that asshole that just is going to disrupt everything. But that's on them. That's not on you. So that's it, folks. I hope you have a great 2023. I know this was my longest podcast, I think. No, I think I had one going an hour, but I'm sure everybody was asleep. So um, happy new year tonight. And uh, let's all hope 2024 continues to be as kick-ass as 2023 was and uh yeah if you're a mom and dad listening to this please support your kids like i've said many times it's a lot better to be a theater nerd than a crack whore and um you know you just <laughs> you know you the chances of your kid ends up being a crack whore they're going to live with you until they're 40 so um theater people are normally out as fast as they can get out of the house <laughs> so oh uh, Happy New Year, everybody. Have a great day or yeah, great day and uh, rock on and, and stay safe. Take care of each other and look out for each other. See y'all. Bye-bye.